All right. Oh boy! See now, it, now everyone's gonna hear the Willow laughing at the beginning of the podcast. But it's okay. We're gonna start with the theme song anyway. I wish I Welcome back to the Signal Noise podcast on Pro Sound Web. Uh, my name is Michael Lawrence. As always, I'm joined by the two old dudes. One is much oh. older than the other one. We got Chris Leonard and we got Kyle Turnside. What's going on, gentlemen? What is up? Hanging out, hanging out. Um, you know, I just smashed a can of Insure right before this podcast, <laughs> so I could be, I could be ready. I I was reading the cliff notes. I brushed up. Um, I had a Centrum Silver this morning before I went to the gym. Um, I got my ARP card and um, a senior coffee from McDonald's today. I'm ready to rip. And I may or may and not be on my fourth or fifth Lagunitas something easy ale. <laughs> I won't tell anybody which which it is, if it is with or may or may not. Um, but our guest tonight asked for a jazzy introduction and our regular listeners know that i i uh i, I can't bring it in in that way so i'm working on that i got my vocal coach we're gonna be going through some exercise but in the meantime chris says he's got it so chris let's see what you got man yeah so if you've heard of songs like uh put a ring on it and stuff like that uh this iconic <laughs> artist oh wait it oh like, what, <laughs> what is this picture of beyonce in front of me i don't i don't it's, know what that's it's not beyonce unfortunately. Oh, oh the next and the next line sorry okay all right my bad all right so uh uh we have with us austin's chapter head of soundgirls.org uh she also is a production manager audio engineer works with artists like corbella and dossie uh we have willa snow with us tonight ladies Yay. and gentlemen hello <laughs> hello that was where jazzy. are you joining us from <laughs> i'm joining you from my apartment in austin texas cool mm-hmm. i love austin texas i i was only there a couple of times but i really enjoyed myself it's a nice place i have questions place. i have yes. questions you have questions so okay, yeah i was just i was just in austin not too long ago and i've been i've been traveling to austin texas probably before like the 35 was finished or paved because I'm that old. And um, it's, it's, it's odd. Cause um, I see Austin going in super weird directions lately. And I don't know if I'm down with it or not. Like uh, um, I love the food trucks. Uh, dude, see, now we're going to get, we're going to get dear sir emails from the folks in Austin. So, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, but no, no, I, don't I turn need, them against us, man. No, I need, I need local lights <laughs> to help me out here. I need them to help me out here. And, um, I love the main drag with all the live music and the cool, weird tattoo places and the spray paint art and stuff like that. Um, but it's really starting to kind of get a little bit more commercial than I was used to seeing and definitely seeing a lot more homeless. Didn't want to have to say that, but um, it's odd. Uh, the music scene in there is so amazing. Like uh, Austin is one of those places when I was growing up, I always hoped it was going to be Branson, Missouri, because that's way closer to me. But Austin has always had this really cool, rich tradition. And I'm just like, I'm really out on a limb about Austin right now. Is it getting too commercial? Is it getting packed? Like, um, how do you see Austin now? So to be completely honest, I am a transplant uh, to Austin. I've been here for uh, almost four years. Uh, And just in the four years that I've been here, it's changed drastically. Um, so the the growth is just skyrocketing. It's a little bit out of control. It's kind of like that wheat that just won't, you know, stop growing. Um, it's, I think, so, so your question about it being like, it, it's gotten too commercial, that that directly relates to, um, to, you know, South by Southwest, I think. And um, yeah, that too, for sure. Yeah. So, so just having that be kind of like the analogy. I was just talking about this with my colleagues the other day with the cancellation of South by Southwest. What is it going to look like going forward? And um, because of the direction things are going they're if they do continue, they're not going to be able, they might not be able to 
move forward in such a corporate and large fashion. It's going to have to strip back and be more like that original plan of just a bunch of local bands that are super awesome trying to get signed and just, you know, that community spirit. So I think um, the bubble with this whole situation, this bubble may have just popped um, and it may start to go back into the, that the more organic artistic community that I actually moved here for. Uh, I grew up in Silicon Valley. So I moved here to get away from Silicon Valley. And then I got here, realized it was here too. And it was like, ah, shucks. So. Yeah. um, And and I noticed a lot of the bars um, didn't have the original acts that they used to. It was like cover bands and um, like you said, more organic, more grassroots. And I think once we get through this, this, pause i i just want to call it a pause because things will come back just a matter of when but um i hope that grassroots movement kind of takes it back over because it wasn't south by southwest as a whole when it started it was mm-hmm. all the little bars kind of holding their own event and right. then s- someone put it all together and made this event out of it so hopefully I, I think that'll rally the community, like you said. Yeah, for sure. Um, and hopefully it'll bring back kind of that grassroots feel to it. I think that was what was really cool about it in the first place. Yeah. I mean, there is still such a wealth of local talent here. It's one of the reasons why I love it so much. And the, I mean, just the the quality and caliber of artists here in Austin, I am so blessed and honored to work with every day. Um there, so there's a lot of really incredible uh, original music and a lot of production companies that support that original music. So we are seeing some of that resurgence right now. Um, companies such as Nomad Sound are putting on showcases that benefit production and music in Austin. That money is going directly to the musicians and to the production staff uh, and bar staff working these events. So we're all just kind of like saying, you know, fuck it, we're just going to do it. And we're going to put on all of these events and we're going to put as much sound and light and shove it into a tiny six street venue and just, we're just going to go. It's going to be fun. It's going to be rocking. And we're just going to support our community and support each other through it. Um, And there's a lot of that happening right now and a lot of, you know, desire to do something and to, to just reach out and support each other as a family through this. Thanks for that answer. I think that was really good. Uh, I love that place, Easy Tiger, too. Oh, that's a How great delicious spot. Is that place? I love that place. <laughs> that's that's my favorite little gym, and I had to throw that in. Now we can ask you real questions because Kyle's done talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, spe- speaking of uh, speaking of the local music scene, so you you work with a band called Corbella, uh, and I just I just, you know prior to this episode, I uh, I clicked into their stuff on Spotify, and it seems uh, some pretty pretty cool music. How long have you been uh, working with them? Uh, so I've been working with them as their PMFOH since January officially, uh, but we've known each other since last summer. Uh, they played two shows uh, at Stubbs Indoors where I was working, and we just instantly fell in love with each other. They melted my face right off my skull, and I was just immediately obsessed and begged them to let me work for them, basically. Um yeah, and they just they rock my socks off every show, and I actually end up dancing whenever I'm mixing them. So yeah, they they sound like they have a fun live live vibe for sure. Which I imagine, oh, like if, if if you're a if you're a local band in Austin, like you know you know it has to be about the live show. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's so speaking of Stubbs, uh, one of my favorite live albums or two live albums is the Modest Yahoo uh, mm-hmm. album that was recorded at Stubbs. So that's that's a pretty legendary venue there. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a fantastic venue. Let's not. You know what go I want to. I want to just kind of. No, you know where I do want to go though is something you said. Like everyone, sit up and like take note of this and write it on an index card and keep it above your bed. Something Will just said is like super cool. Like, hey, I wanted to work with these guys, so mm. I asked if I could work with them. Um, mm. Like yeah, that's huge, and so many people. Um, you know, at least in, in in my career thus far, some of the opportunities I've gotten, people, you know, other people have said, wow, how did you get that gig or how did you get so-and-so to answer you or blah, blah, blah. And the answer is I, I asked. Um, and so, like, why not? If you want it, like, go get it. I mean, the worst is that the answer is no. But, like, I mean, don't you don't want to be in a situation where the only reason you didn't get the gig is because you didn't ask for the gig. I mean, just mm-hmm. if, if it's something that you think is cool, like, 
go run that down. You know, um, I think that's super important. So I'm really glad you said that. I just kind of want to reinforce that for everybody. Yeah. You never know until you ask. And the people who don't, you know, that don't get the job are the ones that don't speak up, you know? So, I mean, I I love their music and a lot of times small local artists won't even think that they're worthy of having their own engineer because they know maybe they're just playing local shows, but the, the key is, yeah, you're a local band and you're playing local shows, but you definitely deserve and, you know, could use your own FOH. So if you're a local band and you meet that sound person that you just really click with and does really well for you, maybe start asking them to be your your engineer for your shows around town. Agree. I did that when I was a kid, too. Like being the house engineer was great because you kind of had pick of the litter and uh you could kind of take them underneath your wing, or if you were going the other direction, they could take you underneath their wing. And right, right. Um, you you get to see the fire too. The cool thing about it is, is once you get doing uh, into the fourth or fifth album or sixth album or the live album or the double double live album or whatever, they've they've lost that fire. Those those kids, I like to say, because you always refer to me as old. Um, those <laughs> kids have a fire that nobody has ever seen before and seal did this great interview in rolling stone a long time ago and they were asking him why his second album wasn't as good as the first like why it didn't hit as hard as the the first album he's like man i spent my whole life writing those songs to be the best thing i could ever be to be on a record label so those kids writing those songs now are doing exactly what seal did like they're taking their whole heart and their whole life to write those songs to make make an impact you know, and that that's what's cool about local bands, man. The ones that try real hard and work real hard, they will pick up an engineer and you're in a good spot. That's super cool. Yeah, thanks. You, you, you know, it's funny. Quick side note. Uh, I did. I did do a one off monitor gig for Seal. It was in Austin. <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> Sorry. You, you said Seal. We're talking about Austin. First thing came to mind. My bad. <laughs> Hold on, you, you said doing Chiel, like free association. <laughs> um, I said sushi. <laughs> so we got a we got an email from Greg from Madison Pro Audio who's been listening to the show, and um, he had a question for us that he thought would be an interesting discussion. So I'm going to throw it out, and Willow, we'll get your your thoughts on this as well. Here, you're on the panel now. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> he wants to know he's interested in our experiences, the relationship between the house crew and the touring crew. So maybe some situations where you've come in as the touring engineer and the house crew maybe wasn't on the ball or, you know, there was a problem with communication or maybe the other way around where you've been, you know, a member of a house crew, which is something that I, that I'm, I'm doing, you know, quite often these days. And, you know, what, what am I doing to keep the touring people, you know, be prepared for them and to make that day run smoothly and any issues that you come up. So sort of that relationship between the two sides of the equation. And I think, I think, uh, I think y'all gentlemen have definitely been on both sides of that quite extensively. And, and so kind of, you know, what, what are your thoughts about that issue? Chris, you first. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, Come on! I I think the um, the the primary thing for me would be uh, just your your willing your willing your willingness to 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 work and work ethic to me, right? So I think no matter what, work ethic is is the the biggest thing. Um, uh, Not having uh, an ego, um, like I. So, so so much of work ethic and ego is more important than just about any amount of knowledge that you have, right? Like what I what I can't stand is people who sit there and try to um, speak to me in manual speak or rattle off as many manufacturing names and numbers of every little speaker and microphone, this, that, and the other. Like that, I care the least about that. I care about your work ethic and your drive. There you okay. Go. Okay. 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 <laughs> I don't so, know, that's what I got. <laughs> from from both sides of the coin and and I always use this to continue my career path is kind of like um uh what we ta- talked about with Chad Olick, you know, um is if you know how to do both sides of it, you kind of know how the other dude feels coming into whatever side they're coming into, whether they're walking from their car to the venue or if they're walking from the bus to the venue. 
And I think that's important. And I think I even talked about it back when I did my very first episode was um, knowing both sides of the coin, what touring people have to deal with when they go into a house and what house people know how to do when touring people come into their house is very, 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 very important. It really is. Um, it's kind of like a Sukasa Mikasa, you know, your house, my house type thing. It, you got to come in with that attitude because if you don't, it, it's going to be friction all day. Um, I always, I always grab the, the folks on the crew right away. Like I'll figure out personalities and, and be like, Oh, I'm, you're with me all day. Come on, let's go. Or I'll find if, if I'm, doing audio that day i'll be like i'll grab the audio guy and i'm like hey i'm kyle i'm your i'm your house audio guy today i'll be with you um mm -hmm. like chris said you know step up and do the job and and be available that's basically what you're there for whether you're the touring guy or the house guy um be available um yeah. chad said it really well chris said it really well i think that's the best answer and here's the next step the next step we never talk about and that's to learn the business of the house and the business of touring. That's what you want to eventually get into. I mean, it's great to know how to mix a show or how to tech a show or set up a show or wire a stage or, or mic a drum kit or whatever. But it's the business of the show, whether it's the house's business or the touring's business, that's going to keep you motivated to do more and elevate your job like willis said at the beginning she's pm front of house she's already taken on another gig you know and that alleviates worries from her artist so she saw touring acts coming through stubs or the other venues that she worked at and she applied that now to the local band that she walks into other venues with see the next step and then the next step after that is cans of insure and possible uh, DJ. <laughs> but that's another episode. Well, <laughs> you know, I think the thing for me is just like you said, always put the, put the other pair of shoes on, you know, so to speak. Like I, I work, uh, I do a lot of housework in a venue that's a pretty atypical environment acoustically. And so I, I know how to make the room behave because I've been mixing in it for a long time. But, you know, to me, that's one of those things that, since from the touring that I did, I sort of, you know, you know what your expectations are when you walk into a space and I know how our space is different from those expectations. And so, you know, I know the couple of bullet points that I think it's important to communicate ahead of time to the touring people like, Hey, this is probably what you're expecting, but here's what it actually is. And here's something to, to, you know, be on the lookout for. But at the same time, it's like, it's your show. You know what I mean? Um, really it's whatever you want, you know, I'll give it to you. If you want me to, uh, if you want these microphones, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we have that for you. And, and at the end of the day, whatever you ask for, you know, we're just kind of there to facilitate that and, and get you pointed in the right direction. But I do know that if I were the person who was touring into that venue, I, you know, there are some things that I would have appreciated a heads up on from the house person. So I try to do that. And, and, you know, on the other foot, if I'm going into someone else's space, um, you know, I, I think it's another thing that we talked about with Chad, like a little bit of communication ahead of time, like, uh, you know, what's your house console or what, what are your house policies on this? Or, you know, how do you guys run your cruise or am I plug? Is it left, right? Can I have an ox fed sub? Um, do I drive my front, you know, just the technical stuff and the, uh, where, where should we park? I mean, just, just to get those little things out of the way, kind of open that dialogue up, um, and take some of the variables off the table ahead of time, I think is, is really big as well. Willa. For me. For me, hello, yes. Uh, <laughs> me. Uh, so I, I work primarily as a house tech at this time. Uh, just about to start touring um, with an artist. Uh, but anyway, so my main job is as a house tech. And for me, just like what Kyle said, it's very Mikasa Sukasa. It's like, this is my home. I work here every day. I am here and protect the gear and I wrap the cables, I clean the microphones, all that. This is my house. And I'm inviting you to come and be in my house, you know, and I am happy to have you here, you know, come in and take your shoes off, I guess, <laughs> uh, is, is, is my mentality for it. Cause you know, a lot of people run in on the road. I, from what I hear, they, they run into people that are, you know, kind of standoffish or rude and, I try to be very welcoming because it, it, it creates a sense of trust between myself and the band that may not have an engineer and they've never met me before um, or the guest engineer. 
Um, and they, they've never met me before. So they, and they may or may not have been in the space before. Um, so just having that, that openness, um, and creating that space for dialogue of, okay, hi, I'm Willa. I'm your house tech. Welcome to Austin. Welcome to Stubbs. Welcome to whatever space that you're in. How can I help you? Do you need a hand loading your stuff in? Um, you know, here's some factoids about the space. What do you need to know? And I, and I do my best to kind of figure out, you know, what, what is the space, you know, the mental and emotional space of the person that's coming in? How do they want me? How can I match them? Do they want me to be more like hands off or do they want a lot of help from me? Do they want, do I want to just be like nearby and I can answer questions for them best I can? Um, you know, and I try to be like a, a good host and get them some water if they need it, you know, and just those, those little things of just being attentive, but not overbearing um, and just kind of sensing out what is the workflow of the people that are coming into my house. What do they need? Um, and just coming at it with a sense of humility. Man, that's such a big point. And it's something that it's like really hard to master. I think this idea of, you know, what do you want my level of involvement to be as, as, as the house person? I mean, and it really runs the gamut. I've had shows where, they showed up and they had all their own stuff. And I said, Hey, you know, do you want a hand carrying your stuff? No, no, no. We got, I mean, and they were totally self-sufficient and I was just kind of there to hang out. And I've had shows where it was literally like, I don't know how to patch on this board. I don't know how to use the compressors on this board. And so you more or less end up building the show and mixing it and, and, and everywhere in between. And so I think that's one of the first things that, that I try to feel out, like you said, is, you know, what, what should my role in this be? And that's mm-hmm. super dependent on the act and, and the people you're working with. And I certainly don't want to be like the helicopter. I don't want to be over the guy's shoulder if he's trying to work. Cause on the receiving end of that, I, I don't like that. I don't like when people are trying to, you know, hover over my shoulder when I'm trying to do something. But the other, the other side of that is I don't want them to feel ab- abandoned or that I just kind of, you know, showed up and then checked out. I, I, I mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I'm available and on hand for anything that they need, but I don't want to be bothering them. And so that's something that I think just takes a little bit of practice and definitely some good communication. And I'll, I'll often say something like, Hey, I'm here. Just give me a shout if you need anything, but I'm, you know, I'm going to stay out of your way until, until you get settled and, and, you know, give me a shout if there's anything I can do for you. Um, and I kind of put the ball in their court, you know, and let them tell me what, what they need. Right. Right. Exactly. So Willa, you you had a uh, you had an article come out on Sound Girls Out of Work, uh, I believe in December, um, and you talked about um, earlier in your career. You said I needed to give myself permission to fail. So before every gig, I would have the following conversation with myself: Let's go out there and suck. <laughs> 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 talk uh, uh, talk talk about uh, what prompted you to uh, you know give yourself permission to fail. What what has that done for you? What were some of those early failures? Uh, my anti pep pep talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I had kind of a rough start uh, getting into the live sound. I started in recording and and you know went to school for music and performance. And then I eventually, through fate and gut and sync, ended up in Austin, started working in live sound and had kind of um, a, a rough first go at it that kind of left me with some some personal demons. And I noticed that I had a lot of stage fright, which I hadn't experienced for um, for a long time, like like since when I first started playing music when I was like 14 and at a tiny coffee shop, you know, like I was terrified Um, and I kept getting offers for work and, and people wanting me to work with them. And I wanted to go out there, but I was just kind of inhibited by all of this nerve wracking fear. Um, and I started doing some research on, you know, giants in my field. And I started to notice that everybody always asks the same question. How did you get started? And the answer more or less is always the same. Uh, you know, I started in tiny clubs, I'm self-taught and I met this one guy who taught me a couple tricks. Uh, and I was absolutely terrible when I first started, I was horrible and I butchered all of these mixes and I completely screwed up every show known to man. And eventually I figured out how to make it happen and started to learn the ropes and create good mixes. And voila, here I am. I am now like front of house for XYZ amazing pop band. Um, and so I noticed that they all sucked in the beginning. So that means I can suck in the beginning. I don't have to fear failing. I don't have to fear 
having a terrible show. It's good to embrace the fact that you're probably going to get booed off the stage and somebody's going to throw a tomato at you and the band's going to yell at you and it's going to be great and you're going to learn so much from it and they're going to come back and it's going to be rad. So, you know, that that sort of thing. And just telling myself that, hey, it's okay. You're going to suck. There's no way around it. You, you have to fail in order to succeed. There's no way. I mean, that's the age old, you know, when I teach people to mix, they're usually really timid in front of a console. And and I'm like, hey, you know, you're not going to break it. Like, it's okay. You can put your hands on these knobs and and turn them. And and the the biggest reason that people seem like reticent to like really get in there and and move stuff around is they're like, I don't want to get feedback. And I'm like, look, you're going to get feedback. Like, if you're you're working in live sound, like you need to come to terms with just just that's that as Austin Powers would say, that train has sailed. Um, so, so you got to just be okay with that and, and sort of giving yourself that mental permission to go, yeah, I'm going to make a mistake and I'm not going to turn into a pillar of salt and it's going to be okay. You know? And I think the other thing is, I mean, I, I will constantly look back on, uh, stuff that I've written in the past or systems that I've gone in and tuned in the past. And I'll come back and look at the DSP and go, what the hell was I thinking? Um, I think that is the mark of someone who is consistently trying to improve because um, I think that looking back at your, your shadow and your previous work and going like, Oh my gosh, that was crazy. That means you've learned more since then and you know better now. And so, you know, your skill level has gone up and I, I actually would be more concerned about the person who doesn't feel that way, who doesn't mm-hmm. feel like, Oh, this might suck. Or, you know, gee, I really screwed that thing up last time I tried this. Like if you are like, everything I do is amazing. Everything you do is probably not amazing, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. so, you yeah. know, yeah. I, 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 there's this great, and, and it's also, and I've, and I've said this before too, you know, the people that, that I really got to in the, in, in the field who are like pioneers. So if I look at, you know, the Ethan Weiners and the Bob McCarthy's and the Jamie Anderson's and, and, Kyle and those folks and the Kyle Turnsides, um, they have screwed up so many times because that is required to be a pioneer you know um you don't you don't break ground without doing like massively wrong things and learning from them and that's where you come up with this grand new you know this just just groundbreaking uh, improvements um so i think sort of like being okay with screwing stuff up is just really part and parcel to being a competent anything really but i think it definitely holds very true for for our field because it's so technical um, yeah, of course. So yeah I, I i love that you're embracing that it's totally cool yeah i mean the the biggest thing is like yeah you're gonna fail okay so what are you gonna do about it how are you gonna bounce back from that failure mm-hmm. um, you, can only, biggest, you can only fail upwards yeah exactly so like <laughs> yeah like you're in a show you have massive feedback okay so you're gonna fix it right just like take a deep breath Okay, you had feedback. What frequency was it? Where was it? Get it out. Just keep moving. If you fixate on it, that's going to completely domino affect the rest of the show. So just notice it, acknowledge it, and move on and keep going. Yeah, I also think if 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 we are not our own worst critic, then you're doing something wrong. Right. So I, I you know, so I, 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 I that that's something that I've um I've rooted myself in that like I am the hardest on myself. If there's anyone harder on me, that means I don't care enough. Mm-hmm. So uh and and because everything I do, I do with passion and 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 with everything that's in me. You know, the smallest of things that maybe you know one percent of the audience or if even that had even noticed, it doesn't matter. I noticed, and so as long as I am taking steps to introspectively observe that and make improvements on that, that's okay. It's when it's when I stop caring about that 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 I'm I'm I'm, I'm going backwards. Yeah, and and I tend to be- beat myself up after every show. Like, there's only a handful of shows that I walk out of the room or whatever it is and go, "Man, I felt really good about that thing tonight." Like, I I'm self defeating to extreme sometimes. I'm like, "Ah, oh, I got to try that again tomorrow to see if I can fix it or whatever the case may be." But you're you're completely right. If you if you walk out of every show that you mix and you go, "Damn." really good at this i'm the shit yeah <laughs> uh, pro- probably not so good um we did have a um a reference from jeff holly that said that we weren't mentioning um mac and cheese enough willa what's up uh, man i am shocked and <laughs> just uh 
devastated. The word you used was, was aghast. It was what you said last time you talked <laughs> she about She said, it. Willow said, I'm aghast to hear that there's no mac and cheese reference. I am completely aghast. I mean, Jeff Hawley is made of mac and cheese. How is this not referenced? Every so other text conversation can, I have with him is it revolves around mac and cheese. But he's just a computer. Can either of you gentlemen, so we don't even know if that's well, true or not. <laughs> Here, here's the thing, though. Here's how. Here's how I know that it's not a computer simulation because no computer algorithm would come up with the topping that Willa puts on her mac and cheese. Oh, we need to know. We need to know. All right, applesauce. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Come on, hey, Al. So, um, <laughs> Michael gets it, y'all. Kyle gets Mike, it. Michael, Everybody I think we need that. to. Um, I think we need to reschedule another guest for next week. Um, <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> Hold on, is this the Friday the Thirteenth horror show? <laughs> <laughs> No, well, that's... so th- this brings us into the new segment of the show that I will give uh, my, my, my buddy Ben Krumholtz, or we call him Crummy. Uh, the new segment's called Where's Catering? And uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, which is where we talk about our favorite venues uh, to eat or favorite places to eat around the country. So, Willa, where is well, your favorite place to get mac and cheese <laughs> in the country? So, <laughs> so there, there's a kicker to it I'm gluten free. So my mac and cheese intake has lowered significantly. And then if I'm not making it myself, I generally can't eat it. So unfortunately, oh. I have no help for that specific dish. <laughs> oh, I know. And, I know. It's the worst. first episode of Where's Catering. Tune in next week for more anticlimactic and depressing stories. Um, uh, what's what's the worst? What's the worst catering you've ever had? Like, what was served to oh, you man. that was just horrendous? I think we need oh, to go around. This I got one. this one. Mm. I got this one for sure. I got this one. I mean, yeah, dad, dad's got us covered. Let's go. Holy macaroni and cheese! <laughs> so, a long time ago. After I got done touring with, uh, well, I was touring with two bands on and off. One was called Not Waving But Drowning from St. Louis, which is a um, screamo, metalcore, spazzy, insane church basement, beat up your friends, have a good time band. And then, <laughs> and then um, the other band I was touring with was uh, Rap Rock Sensations, the Funk Junkies from Phoenix, Arizona, with the, the mega hits Love It Loud, the Kiss cover from Tommy Boy. So um, we did a lot of touring and we played every venue that you could possibly play a roadhouse of a theater or whatever. So, and a lot of the shows were booked by the band because they were friends that would want us to come and play their venue or whatever. And this one time we were in West Virginia. That's, that's how this story starts. And uh, <laughs> I hear the band go, keep going. We were touring in an RV and we, we went to, uh, it was just us playing that night and it was a little wooden roadhouse in, in West Virginia somewhere. I don't even remember. It wasn't even really in a city. We had to drive out a gravel road and everything. And the guy actually had bear. We Ooh. had, and, and here, here was catering a tray of aluminum or aluminum catering tray full of bear chunks in barbecue sauce. <laughs> with the loaf of bread and that was catering and a bag of chips <laughs> yes that's it the, he was like don't tell nobody i have bear but you got it <laughs> it's not exactly legal oh yeah it was like everyone took one bite was like oh yeah thanks bro but that was that's my bear, bear at the same time and white bread and potato chips I got recently, it was, it was, it was right after Thanksgiving and the, the, it was painfully obvious that the catering company had literally just taken everything that they had left over and dumped into a pot and stirred it and heated it up. Um, It was pumpkin, turkey, rice, enchilada dip. So it was just all of these disparate Thanksgiving items dumped into a, uh, Blender. It was sort of the consistency. Yeah, I, I can't even – I'm struggling to think of a like some sort of consistency uh, analogy that I, that I feel comfortable saying in public. Uh, it was really <laughs> off-putting. Um, it was one of those things where like the crew guys came in and we were like, um, 
I don't know about that. And we looked in it and we're like, yeah. And then so the, the TD was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. He's like, we're going dark for an hour. And we're gonna go to we're gonna go into town and we're gonna go get some pizza. So it was just like, yep, that's uh, no, we're not doing that. So that was uh, that was kind of a. It was funny because I was I took a picture of the uh, the nameplate on it and I started sending it to folks. Actually, Kyle, I think I might have sent it to you. And it was you just did. funny. I sent it to all my touring buddies. Yeah, and everyone, every the responses came back like, oh my god, like what? No, like so that's how I I knew it was like the litmus test. It wasn't just me being picky. It was like, no, this is weird. <laughs> I never thought that. I would be disgusted by Thanksgiving food. I usually adore Thanksgiving food. And now I don't know if I'll ever be able to eat Thanksgiving again after hearing this. Things we've ruined so far. <laughs> mac and cheese, Thanksgiving. What's next? <laughs> Bear. Well, living, li- living, living in the corporate world. <laughs> living in the corporate world and eating off of a uh, hotel catering. Um, it, it doesn't get better than chicken and brown sauce because every hotel has it. Chicken and brown sauce. It's uh, what's the what's yeah. the it is can you people. can you elaborate on brown sauce? Like, I mean, is it can you, can you be more specific? I, or is it just sort of unidentified I, brown you, substance? No, it's definitely unidentified. So uh, there may or may not be an Instagram handle uh, chicken and brown sauce that uh, documents this. I'm just saying, just saying. <laughs> I may or may not know who runs it. But uh, uh, yes, chicken and brown sauce. It's exactly what it sounds like. You know, uh, you know, the, the, the varying degree of brown changes from hotel to hotel. Um, the, you know, uh, it, but yeah, it's just chicken and brown sauce. No good. No good. For me. Um, okay. So <laughs> I, I've got one. I'm trying uh, to look up pictures here. I'm looking around. <laughs> oh, that looks terrible. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry, Willie. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. Here's something else for us. You're good. Uh, so it's it's not as bad as like Thanksgiving and blender or chicken and brown sauce or bear. Uh, but so I work at Bass Concert Hall <laughs> <laughs> uh, here in Austin, Texas, and uh, we have overnight loadouts quite frequently for our large shows that come in and sit with us for uh, multiple dates and. Some, and it, with an overnight loadout, there usually comes catering because we're usually working for 10 or 12 hours, you know, starting at 10 o'clock at night and going on. Um, so dinner slash breakfast is usually around like four in the morning and someone didn't get the memo that there were uh, gluten-free people in, in the crew. And the only thing that was provided was just the greasiest bottom shelfest pizza. Um, so I ended up working a 12-hour loadout on absolutely nothing. So there was that. Oh uh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> so I might, I might've been in the, like the first iteration of bands that actually had vegans in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was always interesting. Uh, it just lest anyone forget how old you are. That, that really just, uh, <laughs> emphasize it. <laughs> I do want to let everyone know. You're, I'll be, you're a I'll vegan hipster. You're there. like, you were vegan before. <laughs> I know, and that's the thing is I used to eat the vegan food on tour because it was way more healthy and there was better options and it was interesting. And then the other dish was the chicken and brown sauce, dude. Like, (laughs) it's like you can only eat so many chicken breasts a day. And then you just start telling people you're vegan because you get something interesting, you know? Um, But yeah. what you don't eat eggs or milk like no it's it's vegan vegan vegetarian oh then you want a salad like oh no um yeah getting getting fed on tour is really hard hard especially if you have like dietary requirements or you know religious or whatever it is like um it's hard it really is um catering is weird carrying your own snack pack is is real it is real, um, and yep. and w- wait until is. the van the van stops or um the bus stops, and you can jump out at the Flying J and get a bag of nuts. Like that's yeah. your only that's your only saving grace, man. Is a, holy cow! I got a pocket yeah. full of almonds or something. Yeah, and God um, forbid you're in a food desert for a few days. Oh, you did been there, been oh, yeah. there. <laughs> you, we, you actually got stuck in the actual desert this summer, didn't you? Your bus broke down on tour. Yeah. I, I filled in for my friend Jim with Melissa Etheridge to in front of house for her this summer. And we, uh, the band bus broke down, Melissa's bus broke down and we had to basically take their driver back to the nearest town, which was almost like a 70 mile round trip. Lucky it was still kind of middle of the night, but 
every everybody knows what happens when the band stops or the bus stops like everyone starts waking up you know because you think you're at the at the jam it's time to go so yeah that was a little rough um there is another question that i thought was really cool that just popped up on facebook and it's from uh carlos delgado where who how oh my man yeah do, I know carlos. do you go See, about- uh, seattle i believe Right? Yeah. yeah. Where, where, who, how do you go about looking into touring opportunities? And we've addressed this just a little bit tonight with the house crew thing and stuff. Um, I think personally, that's how I got my first touring gig was working for local bands and they'd start doing regional shows that would take me to like Kansas city or Springfield or Carbondale or Chicago. And then Eventually, being the house guy, uh, that band, the Funk Junkies, it was super weird. I was working at a venue in Springfield, Missouri, the house guy. Um, at the end of the night, they had uh, moved on from their sound guy and asked me what I was doing tomorrow, and I ended up on the bus. So um, it's kind of right place, right time, making friends with the right people. You know, this was their second or third time through the venue. They knew who I was. Like, um, it, it's it's almost magic how it happens. I I don't think anyone just jumps right into it. I know a lot of people go to school at like full sale or conservatory and they get to go work at a production company, which puts them in the line of, you know, getting a touring gig fairly right away. But, um, actually starting out as an engineer, I think working in a local venue and trying to jump on with some, some bands or a genre that you like is a real good way to go about it. All right. Next. Well, no, you know the other thing that because because what I what I caution against is well, you know, there's nothing I can do because it's just you know it's just in the right place, at the right time. It's just sheer dumb luck, and and that's absolutely not the case. Like, there's obviously an element of you know, like you said, being there when when you're needed and and who you know and where you are. But I think the thing that gets overlooked sometimes is you know, yeah, it, it might just be like sheer dumb luck that I ran into X pop star in a bar and they were looking for a sound engineer, but when that opportunity comes up, you can either be prepared or you could not be prepared. And so, you know, you can definitely stack the deck in your favor by, by being ready for the opportunity and educating yourself and, you know, being professional and, and, and doing all of the things that will make you an asset to a tour. What he said. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I, it's hard for me. Um, just given my experience, I mean, you know, I, I started at I've always been a full timer, right? I've never been a freelancer. So, uh, so, you know, I were, you know, I was at a full time company that was a touring company. And so my chance to get on tour was just proving myself at the company I was at. And when the opportunity brought it brought itself, um, I was out there on tour. So, um, I mean, it, it depends on the path you want to take, you know, um, especially given the times that we're in right now. I mean, um, the guys who are full time, you know, that's that's a, probably another podcast for another day and the difference between being freelance and full-time but i mean you know the, the, i think one nice thing about being full-time at a company is that you get to experience a lot of different things and, and you might actually get the chance to get on a tour quicker being full-time because you might be the third patch guy assistant to the monitor engineer you know like you know uh because the tour can afford it you know uh, as opposed to trying to get on with a band and be the opening act and work your way up and, and that type of thing so there's there, there's definitely no one path for sure i think um uh, i think the one thing that i would say is true no matter what this goes back to what i said earlier um because i'll beat this dead horse is that work ethic and drive will get you anywhere you need to be with whoever you want it to be um and you know um because if you show the right person um what it is that you want to do and you pursue it it will happen you know um it may not be in the time frame that you want it to happen but it's going it's going to happen uh and and so i I, the other thing i I would say is, is, is patience um because you know life's a long game right so you know um don't get uh, don't get pissed off when it doesn't happen tomorrow um work the next day to, to make it happen so and it just it goes back to that drive so marrying that work ethic and drive i would like to jump off that real quick if i may um so no beyond- way you're not allowed yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, I do what I want, so. <laughs> yes. Oh, you God, she's him. getting sassy. We got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, beyond just having that work ethic and drive, absolutely have that. And then also, Michael, what you said, which is constantly preparing yourself for battle, more or less, like always educate yourself, read up on the latest technology, learn a new skill as much as you can, um, and as often as you can. Beyond that is also just networking. Um, and social media is a really excellent way to do that. Um, and my current tour that I'm about to go on at the end of April sort of came from social media. Um, so not only have exponential progress, but also chart it and post about it and mm-hmm. share your personality, share your passion, because this, this industry is an industry of personalities and like we want to work with people that are professional, but we also want to work with somebody that we can hang out with. Right. Uh, Cause we're going to be stuck uh, in close quarters with this person for extended periods of time. We're trusting them with our music or with our show, whatever it may be. So it needs to be a good personality match. So by seeing like, okay, this person's always doing something. This person seems fun and their attitude seems positive And, you know, they seem hardworking. They might reach out to you. Uh, and this, the tour that I'm going out on is with Daime Arosina, who's a singer from Cuba. And I'm really excited to get to work with her. That job came from a woman that I went to college with who currently works for International Music Network. And she had been watching my social media over the past few years since we graduated and had noticed that I've stuck with my passion for audio and I've developed as an audio engineer. And when her, her company was looking for someone who's roughly the same age as this artist and wanting to kind of nurture them and also someone who's a female audio engineer that's out there and working, she instantly thought of me because I'm posting about what I do. Um, I mean, it's usually after the show. I'd never post while I work, of course. You know, it's like, don't drink and drive. Don't post and mix. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but just sharing that that passion uh, that I have for this industry. Get me and a what DWI. <laughs> Man, don't post right? and mix. I, I love that story. <laughs> I'm going to get my life. of being on your phone during the show, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, you know, just like having having that that public persona actually really does help. You know, and it's that point of connection. So, Willa, I'm curious: um, was how much of that was um, LinkedIn or Facebook? Where was that connection that she saw? Uh, we've been connected on Facebook for a long time, but she was primarily watching my Instagram. Oh, okay. That's, that's mm-hmm. no, that's great. That's cool. Um, so, you know, Michael, our resident non-social media guy here, he um, says that, but he's lying. <laughs> well, he he's in denial that LinkedIn is social just media. Just LinkedIn. Anyway. It's anyway. professional. Next, okay. Yeah. No, I I uh, I wholeheartedly agree with you in terms of the networking. It is a big thing that I push, um, and and highly recommend. Um, especially the landscape of LinkedIn over the last uh, year or two. Um, it is a very viable place to get new work. In fact, what's funny is the guy, um, uh, Carlos, who who spurred this question, you know, him and I have interacted a bunch on LinkedIn. Um, and, uh, you know, and I'm looking forward to, you know, trying to use them on a gig in December when, when I, I have one out there in December uh, out in uh, Seattle. And, um, I mean, it is a place where I'm constantly farming people for at least, you know, from the corporate side. But I, I it's encouraging to see from the rock and roll side yourself and some others who are doing more stuff on there. Um, and um, so, no, I, I very much agree and encourage people to, um, you know, a lot of people will say like, oh, I can't post about my gig because of NDAs and this, that and the other. And like there's very creative ways to show what it is that you're doing, your personality, all of those things mm-hmm. without giving away all those things. You don't have to talk about the band name you're doing. You don't have to talk about the the whatever Fortune 500 company that you're working for. You can you can show your personality, the style of work you're doing, your level, your skill, all of those things um, in a way that doesn't give away any of that stuff. Um, and uh, so, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Yeah, and actually, you, uh, you, Chris, and Michael have kind of broken me out of my LinkedIn shell because for the longest time, I mean, I've had a LinkedIn since I was in high school, um, I think, high school or college, because um, my both my parents are in finance, and my mom taught me a little bit about internet networking. So in my head, LinkedIn was like very sterile, very professional, must be extremely polished. And you have to be wearing a blazer in your profile picture. Um, <laughs> But uh, over the past couple of years, since I've been interacting with you guys, uh, that's kind of made me realize, okay, so 
there are people that are like me in this industry that are using this platform. Well, I can kind of break out here now. Okay, cool. So I'm just going to take a selfie in my bunny suit with my morning coffee and see how this goes. <laughs> and <laughs> and which, just... which you did. And I really want that to be the, uh, the artwork for this episode. Done. Done. I'll make it that. happen. I'll make it happen. I think... Shoot. <laughs> Just I, do something that makes you happy and share it. You know, you never know. It might make somebody smile on the other end. I think people are really disappointed when they get me to friend them on Facebook. Like, <laughs> and I'm just talking about industry folk. Like a lot of people um, in the industry on Facebook, at least in that part portion of the social media is um, very career based. Like they post pictures of their console or their guitar tech world or whatever. My stuff is literally memes and pictures <laughs> of me doing stupid stuff with my daughter, pretty much. Like, and I'm, I figured they're like, "Oh, his account's private. I can't wait to see what he's posting. It's going to be this, this awesome thing." And then all of a sudden, it's like um, a Jeffrey Epstein meme. Just you know, look I mean? behind the curtain. <laughs> you know, I, I, my girlfriend always sends me screenshots of your what you're doing on. She's like, "And hey, look here, Kyle and his daughter are petting a goat." I'm like, "Wow, that's really nice." You know, so she's saying, <laughs> Yeah. This stuff. So, you know, I was disappointed, Kyle, because when we were on that panel uh, a year and a half ago or almost two years ago now, I think at Webster, right? I mean, like I was like, when I got my schedule, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm on a panel with Kyle Churnside. Like, dude, that guy's a legend, man. Like, cause you know, I knew you from all the Midas training videos on YouTube and like, I'm like, dude, I'm going to be on a panel. So I emailed Kyle. I'm like, Hey man, you know, I know you from YouTube. I'm like really excited to be on a panel with you. It'd be really cool to meet you. And in your picture, you got this badass beard, dude, like father time looking thing. And then yeah. I show up and you don't even have a real beard. I'm like, that was a fake beard. It was totally fraudulent from square one. I was super disappointed <laughs> when I met you in person. <laughs> And, but and that, he's bringing the beard back, though. He's bringing the beard back. <laughs> the beard is coming back. Is it coming back? Okay. Yeah, it's almost, it's almost back. But that's when I walked in late, and I had to make a scene, kind of. So I already Wait, started late, bro. You were so late to the panel. <laughs> I was like, whoa, dude, I was out at the van real quick. I had to, <laughs> I had to go back to the van real quick. <laughs> it's cool. I brought everybody a slushy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, you know, there you have it. And uh, so I think, you know, uh, I'm told by Chris and Kyle that we do have a new Facebook group now that, that will start yes. the podcast. So go on there, say hello to them. Uh, you know, don't say hello to me. I'm not on there, but I am on LinkedIn. Kyle's on LinkedIn. He even checks it once in a while. Chris now. is on LinkedIn. Willa's on LinkedIn. So come and say hello to us and, uh, you know, Send us your, your comments, your questions, signal number two noise podcast at gmail.com. We've been getting a lot of really cool questions and comments from people that are listening and sending in their own thoughts on, on the discussion. And I think that's really awesome. So thanks to everyone for uh, for sharing your thoughts with us. Uh, we, we really enjoy it. A uh, lot of man, a lot of a lot of taco joint recommendations. I'm just I'm blowing up with them. It's, it's great, though, you know. Um, <laughs> oh man, you want taco so, joint recommendations? Come to Austin. I'll show you taco joint recommendations. In oh person. yeah, see there you go. Delicious. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. <laughs> so thanks, uh, thank you, Willa, for hanging out with us. This was totally Yay. a blast. Yes, cool. thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for Good having me. Good luck with everything, man. Yeah. I really, I really oh, like you. your outlook on stuff. It was awesome to hear from you. Oh, thanks, Kyle. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, it's getting too friendly. We got to wrap it up, y'all. Too mushy, mushy up here. <laughs> Bye, Dad. Bye, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>